I come from a background where we never sat on the ground eating from one plate. Everyone had a little dish, you know. My mother was a very particular woman. She's always worn her high-heeled shoes. When she goes out to town, she will always come back carrying carnation flowers and always with a lemon curd cake. The only thing that's different between me and my mom, she used to wear gloves. Emma Mashanini was born into the Nguenya family in Johannesburg on the 21st of August, 1929. She was the third eldest child out of seven. Their childhood was characterized by more than just forced removals from Diagonal Street in Prospect to Sophia Town. The person who was working and maintaining the home was my dad. But he never lived at home because he was working at a place like a dairy somewhere else like in Tafentin. This living arrangement saw Mashanini's parents separating in the early 1940s. She lived with her aunt in Joburg while her mum and her siblings moved to Cape Town. By the age of 15, Mashanini was forced to leave school with only a junior certificate. She survived by cleaning houses. I missed out in feathering my education, but it never made me a failure. It shaped my life. Luckily, I wasn't a dunderhead. At the age of 17, Emma Mashanini married Roger Monapula. They had six daughters, four of whom died. Mashinini wanted a stable home. Instead, she got a 12-year troubled marriage, including physical abuse. In late 1956, her life changed forever. She started working as a full-time machinist at a clothing factory. She worked there for 19 years until 1975. I didn't know the machine. I wasn't good at it. I was a bit slow. Workplace challenges prompted her to join the Garment Workers Union. She experienced and witnessed the humiliating and cruel way in which black people were treated. They were cursed for not producing enough and were constantly threatened with dismissal. Her personal victory was to break down racial job reservation. I was made to be a supervisor and I wasn't given the title of being a supervisor. The inspectors found me doing that And management said that, no, I was a deputy to some manager or whatever. Before it went to the industrial council, management called me into their office. And they said to me, we are prepared to pay you for the work that you were doing. And I said, no, I don't want to be paid. I want the title. The title opened a way for many other workers to follow. After Emma Mashinini had been elected as a shop steward, she organized a strike for just a penny. That penny between 10 rand 50 and 10 rand 51 was very important. It made us qualify for unemployment insurance fund. We fought for women who were not on the pension funds, maternity rights for all women and paternity rights, yes. Another milestone was her successful negotiation of the maximum working hours a week. At first it was 45 hours. Following the 1960 Sharpeville massacre, Emma Mashanini was elected to help lead the National Union of Clothing Workers for 12 years. That's also when she married her second former husband, a fellow trade unionist, Tom Mashanini. Causa, when we formed that union, I still had not had recognition of getting into the stores, you know, and speaking to the workers. He was very supportive. We would get up very early in the morning and we would go and waylay the workers 
and tell them about the union. Despite constant police harassment and abuse, Mashanini grew the Commercial Catering and Allied Workers Union from 1,000 members to 70,000. At one stage, it was the country's second largest union. My first member came from OK Bazaars, somewhere in Boxberg. It's my pride to see where it came from. In the late 1981, 52-year-old Mashanini and her best friend, fellow trade union leader Dr. Neil Agat, were detained at the old notorious John Foster Square police station in downtown Johannesburg. Neil tried to greet me, hi Emma, and I didn't greet him back. I felt so guilty because it was like a relief when I saw Neil. At first I was worried and shocked and surprised why I was being arrested. But when I saw Neil as well, I sort of like relaxed and that was my last time I saw my Neil. She was devastated when she learned that Agat had died in police detention. She was held under the Terrorism Act at the Pretoria Central Prison for six months, mostly in solitary confinement. It was very bad for me. I was deteriorating. I was losing weight and getting fainter and weaker. She also suffered memory loss. My second daughter, Dudu. I couldn't remember how she looks. I couldn't remember her name. Everything just went blank. It was the worst torture to happen to me. Following her release in early 1982, Mashanini was hospitalized locally and in Denmark. She worked through her trauma by writing a book called Strikes Have Followed Me All My Life. Back in South Africa, Emma Mashanini worked for the Anglican Church with the families of political detainees. My boss was Archbishop Desmond Tutu. He used to say to me, Emma, you must never be seen to be wearing a T-shirt that's written Azapo or a T-shirt written UDF because you are the reconciler of all the other people. Post-1994, she was appointed as a land commissioner in the northwest province. The land is what God has given us, and we must make full use of it, and we are failing somewhere. In 1985, the American governor of Minneapolis declared the 8th of March as Emma Mashanini Day. Over 20 years later, former President Thabo Mbeki gave her the National Order of Lutuli. She was honored for her outstanding contribution in building the trade union movement and for her resilience under apartheid harassment and detention. By late 2010, Emma Mashanini was still going strong. She became a founding member of the Council of the Advancement of the South African Constitution. My final word is that I am very proud that I was at the 1955 Congress in Clip Town. I was expecting a child. I had another child on my back and I was holding one of my children. And so I was there as a woman and as a mother. So as a woman and a mother, you must never relax. I'm Kravani Pele in Johannesburg.